White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. McKnight. Oh, welcome in to White Sox Weekly. I am Connor McKnight here on ESPN 1000. It is uh, another Saturday morning where we have got some pretty seriously good weather here in Chicago. It's the kind of weather that, weather that makes you wish for baseball, but we're going to have to wish just a little bit longer in the big leagues as the lockout continues. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. We'll get you a season soon enough. I tweeted this out a little while ago. You know, obviously we had the announcement earlier this week that we uh, Major League Baseball was going to begin canceling games as the Players Association and league itself have not come to agreement on their CBA. Uh, the first two series of the season has been canceled, and we just found out yesterday, yeah, yesterday, that spring training would not start any earlier than March 18th. Those are the nuts and bolts, I suppose, of when your baseball watching could come back into play for you. But we're going to talk a little bit about where we're at and what we're looking for, what this, uh, what the lockout means for the White Sox here uh, over the course of this next hour. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. I, I have a simple question for you as we start the show. You know, I, I wish we had more baseball content for you. Uh, I wish we had more things to talk about when it comes to how the White Sox are going to get better and compete in the AL Central for a back-to-back title in 2022. I wish we had more to talk about in terms of a starting rotation. I, I wish we could talk about who was playing second base and who was playing right field for the Sox in 2022, but we're still waiting on that. And that's just the fact of the matter. So I want to know instead from you this morning here on White Sox Weekly, how you doing, White Sox fans? How you doing? I, I, I don't know that there's any better question to ask than that. I, I just, I, I feel like, and I was in for Waddle and Sylvie, not last week, but the week before. And uh, I forget who said it in the Twitch chat. Oh, you can watch us on Twitch, by the way. Follow us at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Just go ahead and click the follow thing. Uh, I'm CMIC 1000 on that whole thing. So, hi, how, how are y'all doing? Um, what, I, what the Twitch chat said to me, and I think I mentioned this on last week's show too, it was just simply this, and it was kind of a, I don't know, it's a little bit of a wake-up call to me about what this means for particular players, for individuals, not just like when it comes to their day-to-day and making money and all that stuff, but what it means for their, you know, their, their baseball legacy. And it was this. Guy or gal twitched in and said, it looks like Luis Robert is going to have to wait at least until his fourth season for a chance to play a 162-game season. And that, my, my brain broke a little bit there, right? Because like I knew that, and I feel like White Sox fans knew that. You know, because his rookie year was what it was, and you had all these sorts of things happen, and there was COVID, which, you know, you understand. He got hurt last year. All that matters, too. But Luis Robert is, is the most, I think, my, my opinion, the most eminently talented White Sox player on this roster. And it's not just my opinion, but you ask guys like Aloy Jimenez and Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson and, you know, all those. It's, it's, they all kind of point to Luis. He's that kind of guy. And it just kind of, it hurts. And I'm sure it hurts every fan base and every franchise, every front office and every clubhouse that they don't get to see players like that. Whether it's Luis Robert looking to come into his own and establish himself as one of, you know, maybe the best 10, best five players in Major League Baseball. Or a guy like Mike Trout or Juan Soto 
or Max Scherzer, who's already there and competing at that level. So, yeah, we're all dealing with it a little bit here. And we'll get to the, the, the more particulars uh, throughout the show. We're going to talk with Jesse Rogers of ESPN. He was covering the spring train, or the, 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 the lockout meetings and negotiations. I think we were talking about with Silvo, Sylvie earlier uh, last week. I think he was crawling around in the air ducts. Like a like a Bruce Willis sort of thing in Die Hard. I think he was spying from from above the uh, from above the building and checking things out. Uh, so we'll get the latest from him and kind of the tenor of the situation. Eric Ostrowski is our producer this morning. Tyler is uh, on assignment. He's the Wonderkind is calling games somewhere. Who's he? Who's he got the call for today, Eric? I'm not sure. He does stuff for DePaul. He does stuff for Loyola. Well, he's an, I can't keep track of where he's he at. Was, he's an eminently ta- talented guy. Busy man. So he's going to be calling games over there. Tyler will be back. But we've got Eric, and that's uh, it's. Listen, it's a trade up. Is what it is. It's a trade. It's a trade. It's a trade. So Rob Manfred spoke um, and and announced that the baseball season was going to be postponed. Uh, Like I said, uh, we've lost the first two series of the 2022 season. And and what's next is a fair question, and I wish I had more answers for you. But quite frankly, given the nature of the league setting deadlines – and then extending those deadlines and changing those around. Remember, we had the February 28th deadline. That was last Monday. Set. If we didn't have an agreement by then, games were going to have to be canceled. But the two sides were meeting furiously and negotiating a lot of things that sounded meaningful at the time. And I, I hope that they were, right? I mean, we were talking about banning the shift again. We were talking, uh, well, there was another on, oh, bigger bases again, right? We were talking about all these things that matter on the field, and I've, I've told you before, I think I told you this when I got back from, uh, from the vacation, I, I'll admit this, I, I, it's a bias of mine, and I hope you can keep me honest on it, I can be a little Pollyanna-ish, I can be a little naive when it comes to looking at these negotiations between the two sides. And I, I'll apologize for that and try and fight it the best I can, but when it comes to this sport I love, this business that I'm in, the thing that I do, right, I... Maybe I can be a little bit too hopeful at times. But when those two sides started talking about bigger bases and, um, you know, like I said, the stuff that matters on field, I thought, well, maybe, maybe we're getting close here. They extended the deadline a little bit. And then all that to say, you know, to the next morning or whatever it was next afternoon. And, and I say that to tell you, I don't know that their next deadline is a deadline. I don't, and that's okay. That's a good thing. It, it means that it's fluid. It means that negotiations are still uh, uh, happening. Dan Hallam, the the second in command of the Players Association, next to Tony Clark, uh, the the lead negotiator and, and lawyer, um, and some higher ups for the league met over the last couple of days. Um, not much was done per reports, but they did decide that you know because not much is getting done in the last couple of days that there's no spring training games until March 18th. So at least we know that. If you missed it, Rob Manford gave a statement after negotiations uh, ceased and decisions were made by the league. He gave an opening statement about where things are at. And I should tell you, Tony Clark of the Players Association had a press conference as well. That wasn't, it was on ESPN for a little while, and then most of the comments got taken down, and he had to go to like live streams of, of reporters who were there or, or things like that. That were it was just kind of weird how that one was covered. Um, but I, I'll, I'll kind of offer the other side of things just because I, I watched it and it's not readily available for us. Uh, but here's Rob Manfred's opening statement, the Commissioner of Baseball's opening statement about the state of labor negotiations in the league and why it is 
that will miss, miss at least six games of the 2022 season. I had hoped against hope that I would not have to have this particular press conference um, in which I am going to cancel some regular season games. We worked hard to avoid an outcome that's bad for our fans, bad for our players, and bad for our clubs. I want to assure our fans that our failure to reach an agreement was not due to a lack of effort by either party. The players came here for nine days, they worked hard, they tried to make a deal, and I appreciate their effort. Our committee of club representatives committed to the process. They offered compromise after compromise and hung in past the deadline to make sure that we exhausted every possibility of reaching an agreement before the cancellation of games. So far, the parties have failed to achieve their mutual goal of reaching an agreement. The unfortunate thing, maybe the most unfortunate thing, is that agreement, the one we've offered to our players, ha offered huge benefits for our fans and for our players. So obviously that's Major League Baseball's side of things. And Tony Clark, the president of the Players Association, offered a very different take. That's just the nature of negotiation, right? I mean, that's just where we're at here. These two sides have a lot that they're still... You know, I was going to avoid the word arguing, but no, that's what it is. I mean, they're, they're arguing about these things. They disagree on where the state of baseball is, and that is why we're waiting and waiting and waiting. So what does this mean for the White Sox? What does it mean immediately for White Sox fans? Who is it uh, that the White Sox are going to miss at the start of the season? Well, remember, opening day was going to be three against the Twins to start things off at Guaranteed Rate Field. Looking forward to that. And then three at Kansas City. Those are the first two series that have been canceled. Right now, as it stands, opening day, and I hope this is the case, but it's looking more and more like more games could be canceled. If we're just going to be real about things here. Opening day is right now scheduled for April 8th in Detroit. That is a 12-10 start which means the pregame show starts at 11.30 on Friday, April 8th, here on ESPN 1000 and the White Sox Radio Network. I, I hope that's the case. I, I hope against hope that I've just finished Brexit, breakfast and get to bring you a pregame show at 11.30. But uh, if we don't, and if it kicks things down the road, we'll talk to Jesse Rogers about this a little bit, probably about 9.35 or so, uh, about where the state of negotiations are now and what's expected to go on here. Um, it, it, it's a couple of division games that... That might matter for the White Sox just a little bit. After the Royals and, uh, pardon, after the Twins and Royals series, it's three at the Tigers, like I said, and then three against the Mariners back here in Chicago. Um, so that's nine, three, six, nine, nine division games that are going away, perhaps, if you're canceling the first, uh, what would that be, 15 days? Yeah, 15 days of baseball. And then three against the Mariners. We're a fun little squad, and we saw them early in last year as well. I think it was the uh, Mariners and Angels, or Angels and Mariners. I, I think the division still sits well for the White Sox. You know, I, I don't think any off-season expectations or uh, free agent signings that could happen after the lockout is over are going to drastically shift the playoff odds. I told you last week that a guy like Joe Sheehan, uh, who writes the Joe Sheehan newsletter and is just you know super smart, he's from Baseball Perspectives, has the White Sox as one of the best teams in the projected. You know, like through the math, as one of the best teams in the American League. Now, that's obviously barring some free agent signings. But 
you know, you lose division games like this. And on the one hand, you know, it's, it, it'd be kind of nice to play the Royals early and play the Tigers early and, you know, theoretically get a couple of wins under your belt. Everybody's healthy. Those are teams that are, you know, fighting to get back into things. And the Tigers, are, eh, they're somewhat plucky. But I don't know if Spencer Turnbull or Torkelson are going to be up there right away. So maybe you take on an underman thing. Javi Baez is now with the Tigers. But uh, maybe he takes a little bit to get going. He's never been all that great an April player, if memory serves. So, okay, a couple of wins early. The next that next slate, that first month of April, though, contains uh, a couple bigger matchups for the White Sox. And if you lose that, um, then you really start getting into uh, the nitty-gritty of, of what this negotiation between the association, the Players Association, and Major League Baseball looks like. So we'll take you through some of that schedule uh, after a quick break. Sox fans, you can start planning your group outings to the ballpark. We have party areas of all sizes that are perfect for you and your group. Learn more about our spaces, including Diamond Suites or a patio party. I say this every Saturday. I love the patio party. It's a blast. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesox.com. I'm Connor McKnight. More on baseball on White Sox Weekly when we come back. ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. The ESPN Chicago app in HD, 100.3 HD2, and of course on AM, ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Secure your spot at Guaranteed Rate Field this season in the 2022 ticket package. Catch the biggest matchups and enjoy 2022 postseason opportunities, flexible payment plans, and more. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesocks.com. That's the number to call, too, as baseball's schedule begins to change. I, I know that folks over at the Sox ticket offices are uh, are happy to help you through. Nobody wants these games to go, um, but unfortunately, that's the situation that we're in. I'm Connor McKnight. It's, it's White Sox Weekly, of course. and We just listened to Rob Manfred's opening statement uh, after the league decided to cancel the first six games of the season uh, opening day is now in Detroit on April 8th and hopefully we stay that way but it's uh, certainly a potential that more games are canceled as we go here spring training will not start until March 18th at the earliest mentioned we had the opening statement from Rob Manfred to hear the other side and to offer the equal time as we're want to do here in the media here is the opening statement from Players Association President Tony Clark and, and I should mention um, obviously, the commissioner of baseball made his statement first. And I want to say, Eric, it was probably almost two hours, I want to say, until Tony Clark and the Players Association made their statements. It was definitely a few hours because I was here when Manfred's talk and like caught up all that audio. Right. And then we started our show and then Tony Clark started talking. So, so yeah, it was a couple hours after. Yeah, yeah. so call, let's call it two hours. And I, I, I think... That matters because in terms of a procedural thing and a, and a conversation that we want to have here as, as baseball fans and baseball watchers, uh, the commissioner spoke first and the Players Association essentially had a chance to um, rebuttal uh, publicly. And I, I, think, I think that matters as you listen to Tony Clark here. Today is, is a, a sad day uh, as a, a former player, as a fan um, for our game. Today is a, a sad day. We came to Florida to navigate or to negotiate for a, a fair collective bargaining agreement. Despite meeting daily while here in Florida, uh, there is still work that needs to be done. 
We are seeking improvements to our CBA because significant improvements are needed. We've made no mistake about that fact over the course of the last three or four years based on what we've seen on the field and off the field. It's against that backdrop of growing revenues and record profits for owners in the league that players seek and deserve nothing more than fundamental fairness. Players want to play. We, we all know that. But the reason we're not playing is simple. A lockout is the ultimate economic weapon. Let me repeat that. A lockout is the ultimate economic weapon. In a $10 billion industry, the owners have made a conscious decision to use this weapon against the greatest asset they have, the players. But the group won't be intimidated. I've seen more unity over the last few years than at any time in our recent history. Our guys care deeply about the game, care deeply about the fans, and care deeply about our player fraternity. And they are focused on improving the rights and benefits for today's generation of player and for the generations to come. Needless to say, we remain committed to the bargaining process and getting back on the field as soon as possible. So that's Players Association President Tony Clark, who I should say, you know, there are so few uh, silver linings for baseball fans right now. And, and you know, obviously when summer comes, spring, hopefully it's spring, <laughs> but when summer or spring comes and we get baseball again, uh, you know, hope springs eternal and, and the baseball field brings joy and all that good stuff. And I, and I, I mean that. I, I really do mean that. I think you know that from me. Um, I told you over and over again as we got closer and closer to getting 100% capacity at Guaranteed Rate Field last year through the pandemic, how I said this on, on weekly, I said this on pre and post game shows, when, when we got to a point where the ballpark was full again after COVID in 2020 and the restrictions that we had in place in 21, seeing that ballpark full of you, White Sox fans, cheering on your team and enjoying this sport that means so much to all of us, it was quite literally therapeutic uh for for people's souls especially mine and i know for a lot of other people that was the same way we all want this back um we all need this back but as we wait and as we hope uh for these two sides to get together sooner rather than later on these negotiations you you do hear in some of the conversations between uh rob manfred and tony clark and make no mistake while those are opening statements it is part of the conversation between these two sides you, you hear kind of the different rhetoric that's being used uh, about where these negotiations are at. One of the things that's been in the news just recently here, uh, last night into this morning, uh, Thursday night into this morning, is that the playoff expansion it seems to be a very big key piece of these negotiations. Not the biggest. I would still contend that the collective bargaining tax and where that threshold gets set, we'll talk to Jesse Rogers about this in about 10 minutes, um, is still probably piece number one, the, the largest issue at hand. Uh, it was set at $220 million in the, associ- uh, pardon, in the league's last offer, um, and that's not a number that the Players Association is quite thrilled with. Um, reports said that that number at $220 million was set both for this season and 23 and 24 so that immovable measure of $220 million for the next three seasons, you know, it doesn't take into account inflation or growing players, uh, any growing cost, anything like that. I can see pretty clearly where the Players Association would be upset at that. Now, on the other side of things, baseball, the league, 
wants a bigger playoff slate. Now, that's something that they're really interested in because obviously the playoff revenues, the playoff television revenues are big. And these teams are running businesses after all, and they want to rake in the money. That's what a business is for. We do that here at Good Car, right? I mean, that's just that's what a business does. But we had heard that the Players Association had, had kind of wanted to cap this playoff expansion at 12 teams. Now, apparently, according to Jeff Passan and Buster Olney and Jesse Rogers, who, again, coming up in just a couple of minutes, um, it sounds as though those talks are reopened a little bit and that 14-team playoff structures, uh, and I say structures plural because nobody knows how this is going to look yet. I'd tell you if I did, but nobody really knows how this is going to look. Um, but 14 teams is back on the table. And I just, from a, you know, forget the negotiations on one side of things. I think, you know, you've, you've heard enough from me about where I like my baseball. I like 162 games, and I like the long, drawn out spring and summer and fall of it all. I like to know that when we get to the end of the year, the best teams are the best teams, and they didn't get there by fluke. 14 teams invites a lot of fluke in a baseball schedule. And while that can be okay, you know, chaos is fun. I love the tournament. I love, I was telling the, the boys on the podcast, Josh and Nick, uh, the other day, how much I love March Madness. I love that anything can happen. I love going into that. I mean, the, the two of my favorite days on the sports calendar are the first two days in the NCAA tournament because I don't know anything about it. And I go in watching for a complete and utter chaos. I love to learn the names of the kids like Ali Farouk Manesh, who feels like driving down the court on a breakaway and pulling up for an open breakout three and draining it against, like, who did they play? Northern Iowa was playing like Kentucky or something? I believe they beat Kentucky that year. It was year. like yes. some ridiculous. I think that's right. And this kid shows up with steel in his guts and pulls up for three. And th- like, I love that chaos. And that can happen in baseball. We saw that in uh, 2008, 2009. When Evan Longoria and the Rays, you know, Longo goes deep into the left field corner and all of a sudden you've got all this. The chaos is fun. I get that. But manufacturing chaos, much like Inspirato, is a hard thing to do, right? It's, you, it can't automatically be done. And a lot of the comments about the March Madness tournament, and I, I think you'd see some of this in baseball with a 14-team playoff, is that, yes, it's great. It's so much fun to see Farouk Manesh hit a three and drop Kentucky out of the tournament. But then you're watching Northern Iowa in the Sweet 16, and it's like, did we want this, though? What have we wrought, right? I think you face situations like that in a 14-team playoff. I also think it's unfortunate for teams like the White Sox and others who have worked really hard over the last five years, you know, trying to go up against it with, you know, Sale and Quintana and realizing they weren't going to get there because of a whole bunch of different things. And you heard Rick Hahn say, ah, oh, there's, there's too much mediocrity. We're mired in mediocrity. They start this rebuild. They get a great team together. They win a Field of Dreams game. They got a playoff run. They run a walk away with the AL Central. They've done all this work to put themselves on top of the division. And now 14 teams can get into the dance. I get it. I understand why we're headed that way. It doesn't mean I have to like it. It's just when I get there, when we get there, as a, as a baseball-watching public, I'll get with it, you know, whether it's 12 or 14. Uh, but it doesn't mean that I have to like it right now. I do want baseball to start, though, and that's going to be part of the conversation. You can customize your game day menu in a private diamond suite. Check out our food and beverage options and learn more about our different suite sizes today. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000. Or visit WhiteSox.com. That's WhiteSox.com. Jesse Rogers covers baseball for ESPN. He's been 
with the latest for the lockout. He's next on White Sox Weekly. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Your game day experience this season. The Guaranteed Rate Club includes in-seat service, parking, and unlimited food and beverage. Ticket packages start at 20 games. They include flexible payment plans and 2022 postseason opportunities. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesocks.com. I'm Connor McKnight. It's White Sox Weekly. We'll talk with Jesse Rogers of ESPN in just a moment. But when it comes to your game day experience at Guaranteed Rate Field this year, uh, if we've got to wait a little while, here's my take on it. Upgrade it. You know what I mean? If you're going to have to wait a little bit to get to the ballpark to watch your 22 White Sox go for an AL Central title then uh, treat yourself just a little bit. Get yourself into the, the, the guaranteed rate club. Get yourself all set. Jesse Rogers is no stranger to uh, uh, fine dining and being treated like a king wherever he's at, whether it's uh, a ballpark in a city near you or Jupiter, Florida. Jesse, appreciate you coming on the show. I, I wish, man, I'll tell you what, I wish our conversations were about something else over the last month or so, Yeah, uh, but yeah. they have been located on the lockout, my man, and I appreciate you filling us in. What's the latest? Well, the league is waiting for the union to respond to their last proposal, and I'm told, quote, lawyers are working around the clock <clears throat> and the union's talking to its players to do that. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, the sooner the better, right? Um, so we're kind of waiting on the union. Both sides admit that. The league's latest proposal came Tuesday afternoon. They took a day off. They came back. They met again for a moment. And I think the union is deciding on, on the, the couple sort of formats they can throw at the union, meaning the 12-team postseason format and the 14-team postseason format, because depending on which they go with, the the finances change for the entire package. Minimum salaries are different. Pre-arbitration pool, even the CBT could be different. So um, a lot of things stems from if the union wants 12 teams or the union wants 14 teams. They wanted 12 at the end of the negotiations in Florida. Now they're thinking about going back to 14. But there's this ghost win. Have you seen this? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that, and, and it's funny. He was talking to someone that kind of was defending Rob Manfred. He said if the league proposed the ghost win scenario, everybody would be going nuts, making fun of Manfred. And the ghost <laughs> win is simply in a best of three wild card round, the union is proposing two of the division winners starting with a one game advantage and playing the entire series at home. And the league isn't really receptive to that. The point is, from the union's perspective, they want to incentivize teams to spend. And so incentivize winning the division, incentivize winning the best record in the league, because they're worried in a 14-team playoff, a lot of teams won't be spending because there's, you know, half the league makes the, it makes the playoffs. So you roll your team out there and you got a 50% chance of making it. So there's all these layers to it. Um, but ghost win sounds a little crazy, letting it letting a team start with a one-game advantage in a playoff. Anyway, that's where we're at. So I think in the next 24 to 48 hours at most, I hope, the union will propose something to the league, and it, it needs to be different than their last proposal. If everybody keeps proposing similar things, we're not going to go anywhere. 
You know, it's funny about the ghost win, and, and we'll get back to the lockout a little bit, but if we've got a moment to talk about actual baseball, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I think they do this in the KBO, the Korean Baseball League, or they have done it before. And most people that watch that league pretty hardcore like the idea of it. I remember being in the White Sox clubhouse talking to uh, Tyler Flowers specifically, but a couple other guys too, when the playoffs first expanded, you know, years ago. And I, I was asking a bunch of players, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And I, I thought I'd get a lot of different responses from players. I didn't, like, to a man, everybody I asked about it just said, well, then the hell with it. Just win your division. Then then we just have to win our division to avoid a one-game playoff. And I, I was kind of struck by how many players were, you know, of a like mind on that playoff advantage being uh, needing to go to a division winner. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I just think, you know, we're already turning this game in a little gimmicky. Yeah. But um, yeah. and, and certainly it's gimmicky. Remember, the 14-team proposal by the league was that the two other division winners get to choose their wildcard opponent. That's pretty gimmicky, too, but I liked it. I just said, you know, that, that'd be a great made-for-TV moment. Rick Hahn, you know, it wouldn't even be Rick Hahn. It would be, you know, uh, I'm sorry, Frank Thomas. Um, yeah, on ESPN, and he right. stands up and he says, "We choose the Cleveland Indians in round one." Like Guardians, sorry. Um, like that would be kind of fun. Um, you know, every team has a representative. Anyway, that's gimmicky, and so is a ghost win. So I think we can both both agree on that. But I I understand trying to incentivize winning the division, which means incentivize spending and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but maybe there's other ways to do it than, than ghost wins, is I, I guess my, my point. See, I think if we, if we are going to pick our opponents, I don't think it should be Rick, and I don't think it should be Frank. Uh, I, I don't think it should be Frank Thomas, but I think it should be Frank from the south side. I think it yeah. should be like uh, Ed from Berwyn, you know, somebody yeah. who calls in, wins a contest, and he gets to waltz up there with a Polish in his hand and just say, hey, I want the Guardians in round one. Yeah. I think that's how we should do it. I like that. The Cubs would have some elite, you know, guy in a bow tie, yuppie, and then the White <laughs> yeah. Sox would go to South Frank from the South Side. Big difference. Yeah, Ron on the <laughs> South Side, and then some Northwestern finance grad gets to go pick for the for, for the Cubs, and everybody hates exactly. watching. That's what it works. Just to play into the stereotypes. Where would you? Wow, they're they're fun, and we've got nothing else to do. Um, where would you rank? Like, what tier? of of negotiating level are these playoffs on are they up there with the cbt at this point are they in a a second tier a third tier how important uh should fans look at this particular piece of what is a very complicated negotiation yeah the way i'll answer that is kind of what i said before They're, they're all tied together um, the 14 team plan comes with this set of proposals regarding minimum and minimum and CBT and stuff. The 12 team looks different in some areas, so it, it's hard to say. They're, you know, they're all tied. I was surprised if you heard the union press conference, or they didn't hear all of it. But I, the one question I asked at the union press conference in Florida, I was surprised that the union was pushing for a 12 team format because under the 14 team format, owners get more money. And the plan in general meant more money back to the players in other areas, higher minimum salary and stuff like that. They chose the 12 team. And I kind of asked Max Scherzer that, like, why, why are you choosing the 12 team when economics are such a big deal? Mm. And they just are worried about the competitive nature of it. You know, crappy teams getting in sure. um, a 75 win team, not even trying to spend it all because they might get in if they can push to 79 or 80. Now last year, Look, it, um, I think the, four, the the Braves had the 14th best record, I think, and they won the World Series because a bunch of good AL teams didn't make it. So 
uh, and they want, they had 88 wins. So I, I don't think it's going to be often that like a 79 or 80 win team is going to make it. But I, I understand where Max is coming from. And again, it's about the spending that goes along with so many teams making the, the postseason. So it's hard to say CBT is above 14 because they're all tied together. But within the plans, the CBT is certainly a fight. That's where things stalled in Jupiter. Um, it was one of the last things they were talking about. The, the league thought the union was going to come back with a, a different CBT look. And on Tuesday, it just didn't sound different to them enough. $18 million apart in the first year of the CBT in the first threshold. Um, but it's $33 million apart in the final year of the mm. deal, deal. So from years one to five, there's, there's a big gap there still no matter what format they use. Big topic of conversation in a lot of places has been uh, something that Jason Hayward of the Cubs circled on his Instagram page. And I know you've talked about this a lot, but we're a weekly show and this is our chance to chat. Uh, The 25 game mark is important, it seems, to Major League Baseball franchises and their local networks. Uh, Explain why and whether this is a um, whether this is any measure of a ticking clock for for these negotiations. Well, I mean, well, first of all, it works both ways. Um, it's important for the players, too, not necessarily the 25-game mark, but more like the 14-day mark because that uh, signifies a year of service time. Um, but let's start with the, the, the owners. Um, they, they have to give back a rebate uh, to, their, to the RSNs, their local TV networks, if they don't play a X amount of games, don't air X amount of games. They have to start refunding people. So it's tied to... To, to TV, um, the 25-game mark. They, they're, they're, it's different, I think, in each city, but they have to start giving rebates. So they, they start losing real money along with the ticket revenues. For the players, you know, it's, it's, it's 172 days in the major leagues for a full year of service time. So basically, if uh, two weeks, 10 days to two weeks goes by and they start the season, nobody – technically would be given a year of service time and that is huge yeah. obviously that is huge but now, couldn't that could couldn't negoti- that be nego- yeah sorry i, I yeah. probably you probably headed there any couldn't yeah. that be negotiated afterward too it could okay it could but the longer they go the less likely the league is is going to give it and if the if if the teams start giving have to give rebates to the to the because of tv they're less likely to give a year of service time like why should it hurt just us now i think if we get a deal by mid-March and they do miss just a couple weeks of the regular season and they don't make the games up, I do think the league will give players a full year of service time, but not the back pay. Sure. But if we go closer to May or into May and those rebates start, I don't know what the league's going to do. I don't think they're going to. They're just going to hand out years of service time and back pay and all that stuff. So it gets real interesting mid-March because that equals mid-April or late March, because that equals late April, right, with the rebates and everything. That's why I've been saying the last few days, I think this gets done by the 15th. My window is the 15th to the 20th. I, I, I told Sylvie my window was the 7th to the 15th. I'm going to go the 7th to the 20th. It's a large window, but at least I think I'm saying we're going to get this done in somewhat short order, and they'll be playing by late April. That is my prediction and I, w- I, w- I think the 15th is a good, like, over-under number. So that means that would mean baseball in April. Uh, I wonder then, you know, looking back a little bit, it, maybe this gets a little meta, but I was wondering uh, about the tea leaves we were all reading on Twitter from you guys who were covering this. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it was just interesting to kind of 
you know, I was talking about it earlier in the show. I can be a little naive when it comes to this stuff. I just, I want baseball and I, my, my, my heart gets in the way of my head, I, I think in some cases. And it seemed like, you know, late that night as we were getting to the deadline and then we extended it some, it seemed like we were talking about on-field stuff. It sounded like we were talking about the way we play the game as opposed to just the financials of it. Both of them important, but once you get on the field, it seemed like things were getting a little closer and pushing a little closer to an agreement. Was Were we reading the wrong leaves out here in the wilderness? Were Were negotiations getting to that point or had they just, you know, shifted topics because they were bored about talking about dollars? No, no, it's all tied together. I, I don't think we were wrong. Now, you're right. It, it, it's Sometimes it can be tough, even as a reporter, because each side wants to get their message out. Oh, no out. doubt. Yeah, I don't mean to impugn yeah. you guys. That's hard. No, 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 no. But so let me explain. So the league, it, 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 you know, if the league says publicly it's looking good, does that kind of put pressure on the union? Mm. And, uh, you know, at the same time, the union was saying, no, it's not looking good. So does that throw pressure back on the league to say, oh, shoot, we're not close. We better up the end. Like both sides have motivations to say things publicly. But here's the point. that The reason you were reading some positive stuff, including from me, was for eight days there was no movement. Right, right, right. And finally on Monday, you can't be in a, in a building for 16 and a half hours together and not have some progress. And so there was – so it's like it's like finding a little bit of water in the desert. You're like, oh my god, this is awesome, right? <laughs> and so I think it was like aspirational reporting. Um, hey, there is progress. They've gotten out of their own. I've been using football metaphors all week. They've gotten out of their own um, end of the field. They've moved to midfield. Maybe they're at the forty on the other side, but that's still far from scoring a touchdown, right? So I think that's where you saw it. Like there is progress, but progress doesn't mean there's a deal. And they finally stalled at the last moment, you know, basically on CBT. Um, you know, there was a lot. There was a lot going on at the last moment. The, the the league finally relented and said, "Okay, if you want 12 team playoff, here's the proposal for that." Union liked that, but then again, they stalled on, on, on CBT. So, I think it was all real. The progress was real. But, but when you're starting at your own 10, a 60 yard bomb is great. It's still not in the end zone, though. So, that's I think what happened. And um, you know. It was that moment, late Monday, I thought it was going to happen. Tuesday morning, uh, talking to some agents, they were optimistic, but by maybe 10, 11 a.m. even, I was like, nah, it's not sounding good because they're stuck on the CBT. Jesse, what would be the thing, what would be the next thing that makes you kind of light a lamp and say, hey, we're close? You know, is there is there something that would come out from either side or some piece of this negotiation agreed on where you'd go, hey, this is a good sign. I think we're headed in the right direction. I think if I heard from the league side somehow that, okay, we'll go up more on the CBT if X happens, and X might be 14-team playoff. In fact, I will tell you this. If the union comes back to the league and and goes back to 14 teams because the league really wants that and eliminates this ghost win and gives some sort of other tweak to a 14-team proposal, I think the league would raise their CBT number. So any any inkling about the league raising the CBT closer to 230, I think gets gets us into that zone. It's really interesting that you know right now it's complicated. The union is not holding out for fundamental change. Like they've dropped the Super Two expansion, that would be fundamental change. Yeah. They've dropped free agency changes, that's fundamental change. So now it's just about numbers. It's a, you know, pre-art pool is not that much in, in terms of numbers. Like they can get there. CBT is, is not 
that different, but it's it's a complicated issue because that's owner versus owner as much as it is owner versus player. So if you're just fighting about numbers, there should be a way there. And that's why that's why I'm optimistic. It's not fundamentally changed the entire system. Um, and that's why I think by, by mid-month they'll, they'll do it. But if, if, the, if you hear the league is willing to move on CBT, I think there's a deal to be had. Jesse Rogers, appreciate it as always, my man. Keep up the great work. Okay, Connor, good talking to you. You got it. Jesse Rogers, ESPN. He is our dude. Yours too. Sox fans, you can completely customize your 2022 season with a 10-game ticket plan that fits your schedule and your budget. Don't miss any of the action to come. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. More White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Closing it up here on White Sox Weekly. Become a White Sox insider today for sweepstakes, special offers, the Friday Five pre-sales, and other exciting Sox content delivered free to your inbox. Visit whitesox.com slash email today uh not much left as we wrap it up here the boys have the hockey show next pat and brian are here in the studio hot boy say hello to the white Sox weekly there it is happy lockout all right that's enough from you uh our sport's not going on but their sport is and there's guys on the ice with pucks and sticks and they got uniforms and everything it's a line from Major League. It's as close to baseball as we get. Um, we've got the show next week. And I think just because as, as we wrap it up here, listen, we're waiting for baseball. And if you missed any of the show or, or hopped in late or whatever, the ESPN Chicago app is the spot for you. Download all of our shows as a podcast and you check out the latest from Jesse Rogers on where things are at. We're going to start focusing a little bit on the guys that are in camp. The Sox top prospects are there. Oscar Colas is there. Uh, we're going to talk to guys like Wes Helms who I named my fantasy team after for the last 10 years. So that'll be a weird conversation, but we'll get to know him a little bit. We'll uh, we'll talk with some of the guys that are involved in making a little baseball here. Spring training uh, and, and minor league baseball is going to start in one way or another. It'll probably be minor league players, but that's baseball and the crack of the bat, the pop of the mitt is why we listen. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Eric Ostrowski. Pat and Brian have the hockey show next on ESPN 1000.